Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store. Let's get to it. All right. Hello, Loose Lug Nation. Today we have a very special guest with us. Five-time Snowball Derby champion, Rich Bickle. Rich, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Hey, good morning, Rich. Where are you? Are you down in Alabama? No, actually, the the hauler um, motor kind of had a problem, and we took it in to get service last week and never finished it. So we're stuck here, and, and uh, we're, we're not going down. Unfortunate. Oh, man, that is unfortunate. We had so much snow up here that they got snowed in for two weeks, and uh, we didn't get the truck out, and then we found we had a problem. We took in to get the motor worked on, and uh, they were supposed to have it done, and we keep calling them, and they never call us back, so we pulled the plug on it yesterday. Oh, man, that is super unfortunate. I was looking to see uh, see you going down there to, to run. Um, let's Let's start into it. You have announced that this year – is your last year of racing 45 years in the 45 did you always know this was the plan coming up or how did that plan come together for you well i've actually semi-retired twice and they kept dragging me out of the woodwork and i don't know i got the point where last year i was thinking about it and i got some business opportunities and i want to do other things in my life and and um i just it all kind of clicked i said you know it's you know be 45 years i'll race for number my car for most of my life and and uh so it'd be the 45 for 45 tour and that's kind of funny my other buddy called me up and said hey come race my snowmobile eagle river so i started on the ice of the snow and gonna end up with snowball so it's the 45 to 45 tour the snow to snowball tour so whatever way you want to look at it <laughs> that's awesome um you know long history there i'll just tell a, a story here when i first met you there was a Dixieland, I want to say it was 2007, I think I was 17 at that point, and uh, I think I missed getting meeting you and getting your autograph, but they had a poster, and you were one of five guys who were main on the poster with other guys that were part of the tour at that point, and I missed you, and I always thought, man, this guy is larger than life, I hope to eventually meet him, get your autograph, I eventually did that a few years ago, man. And uh, I can't wait. I don't have that poster up in the new house yet, but uh, I can't wait. But it, to me, you are larger than life, and you've had a, such a successful career, man. Well, it's been incredible. I mean, you know, like in my book, you know, I mean, the, the, our, our neighbor, the subdivision we lived in, he took off on his wife and his three kids and to another, with another woman to Colorado and left her hanging. So me and the oldest son up stole this race car out of the barn and come down to their front yard and painted it, hand-painted it like one of my dad's cars and went to Jefferson with it. I think we made four or five practice laps and qualified, and I led the first six laps eight race and got knocked off the back straightaway by Denny Bant Jr., which my dad raced against him, his, his dad, and it destroyed the car. And I never knew there was a picture of the car out there, and my mom had, actually had one. So to start with uh, that that story and, and then to be in an auger brickyard 17 years later and and, and winning 500 races around the country in Canada and and uh, just the, the stories just they go on and on and on and it's just been 
more than you ever could dream of. You know, my NASCAR thing was what it was, but, um, you know, just the short track racing was always the most fun and the most satisfying, and, and to do the things we did was just incredible, and all the guys that helped me. So you were down at the ARCA race down at Daytona. What was uh, How was your weekend? How was the experience of getting back on the uh, big two-and-a-half-mile track down there? Well, I sat on my, on my couch on my birthday last May, and I thought, geez, you know, I'd like to race Daytona one more time. And uh, I actually had three cup car, car owners call me. They'd seen it online, and they called me and said, here, come drive my car. But they all wanted a quarter of a million to 350000 for me to come drive the car, and I kind of laughed at them. I thought, no, I don't, I don't pay to come drive your car. And... Uh, so anyway, uh, my Mike Cheek, which my old crew chief of Teddy's in 96, said he had a really good ARCA program and looked into that. And we put that deal together and, and went to Daytona with that and qualified fourth. And unfortunately, got uh, wrecked at lap 10 and kind of ruined our day. Yeah, that incident there, uh, somewhat of a three-wide deal there. Dave Mater, Thad Moffitt, uh, tough deal there. It, it's amazing that you held on to that car because it happened so quickly, and I'm sure you had no idea it was happening until you got hit. Uh, talk about that save there and how much damage that actually did to the car. Well, when you get hooked on the right rear, going down the straightaway, going to turn one, and your next thing you're sideways, turning left, going and going, this is going to be big. And then I, I, and me and Dave Mater had a plan together to work together because we're experienced racers and we both had fast cars. And when I kind of hooked it and caught back and run it back up into him, um, his left front hit right behind the right front tire and knocked the crush panel out of the car. And we tried tapering up two or three times, but it kept blowing out. And it was, you know, once tape was there, it was, the car would pick up speed like six, seven miles an hour. And when the tape would blow, it would just kill the car and just, it just ruined our day. And I could actually look right through the firewall and, and see the racetrack. That's how, that's how bad it hit. And uh, just kind of, unfortunately, that these kids nowadays, they have no patience. They have no clue. Most of them have no clue what they're doing. And um, he, hit, he hit Dave in the back and then turned left and hooked me in the right rear. And off we went and, and just ruined our day at left 10. And just unfortunately, I mean, we finished 15th, but I mean, we had a, definitely had a top five car and they had a car that could have won the right. Yeah, absolutely. You were a uh, front runner. I was watching there in the top five, uh, you know, front part of the top 10 there. Uh, looked like you were going to have a good day before that. Well, I just, you know, there's this stuff we said, you know, if we start up front, we'll, we'll stay up front. If we start in the back, I'll fall back and stay out of the mess. And uh, unfortunately, we got caught end up into it and, and never really got the show we had. We're just trying to make some laps and get, you know, down to, to get yourself in position with 20 to go to be in the right spot, spot at the right time. And I uh, just didn't get there. See, I saw in a post uh, uh, probably about two days ago that you were talking about going down to the to the rattler. You don't uh, you didn't like the idea of having a snake uh, around. Do you have something against snakes? <laughs> well, they're not really one of my favorites. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. And uh, I don't know. I just I've never been a fan. And and uh, I mean, I probably would have done it. I mean, I know the guys trained and all that, but. And it's not, especially rattlesnake, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm not a snake fan either. I think it would be like a cool picture, but I would probably be crapping my pants when I saw that guy coming with that thing. My God. Well, everybody's different, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'm just not a big snake guy. And it's unfortunate, but we're not going to go on and give it a shot. But, I mean, especially being the 45th annual rattler, um, that would have been kind of a cool story to top off. I mean, we've got some really, really fast cars. We've got some really great equipment. 
and we just had some really crappy luck lately. And last year was just fortunate. We should have won four or five races easily, and we kept breaking. And uh, I told people, I said, well, when we win this year, that uh, um, um, one of probably a handful of guys, if you know any, this one uh, super late model feature in five decades. And I just don't know many people have done that, and that would, that's going to be a cool situation wherever it happens. Oh, absolutely. Uh, talking about this year, uh, tell us about a little bit about your plan. If you're going to run the Midwest tour full-time travel a little more, what's your plan for this year? Well, we're, you know, we were stuck up here with the snow, so we didn't get to go back to Florida and then now get the truck out and that's broke down. <laughs> but, um, unfortunate that we're going to do the whole tour. I mean, fortunately we're going to do the whole tour and we're going to run the live for five Fidel's and everything, the Slinger Nationals and, I'm going to race as much as I can being my last year. I mean, we'll probably do a bunch of slinger races if we can and uh, probably run some Grundy races. I actually tested there yesterday for my tire test um, uh, to the race shops 20 miles from there. And they took the dually and the, tra- the trailer and single car over there and we just went t- tire tested. But uh, just going to run as much as I can. Um, um, you know, in the fall, his may races down south as we can. And then end of the year at the Derby. Say one of the last highlights of the 2020 season was when you drove that 99 car out at Lacrosse, the Dick Trickle Classic car. Uh, tell the fans out there how how it was to, to honor Dick that weekend. Well, it's just amazing that you know it's it's just hard to believe he's been gone this long already. Kind of like my mom, um, but I mean he's he he was my hero as a kid growing up. Besides my dad racing and. I remember watching him come to Madison. I, I, I purposely walked down the end of turn one hill and wait for him to come to the pits and have the car running on the hauler and go out and qualify with 10 minutes to go and, you know, qualify. He never had a practice lap. And eight out of 10 times, he set a track record. It was just phenomenal. And, I mean, I remember sitting there one night when he blew up in the dash, I think it was, and they changed the motor out of the hauler into the car, won the race, and took the motor back out of the car and put the hauler. I mean, you just can't write things like that up. And then we got to be... Um, you know, competitors, but he always helped me. If I asked a question, he would always, you know, give me the answers. And, and in 1985, we're at the car, and I walked up and asked him a question. And he goes, Kitty says, You've been running pretty good lately. You passed the Dick Trickle School race. And, and I turned on and I thought, Man, God told me I was worthy. And, and I won that night. So I topped it off. That was, that's just, and you can't make things like that up. And we got to be friends, and, and we raced everywhere. I mean, one of the great stories was we were down to Florida for the Triple Crown. We'd race Brayden Friday night, St. Pete Saturday, and back to Brayden Sunday afternoon. Well, I set a track record one Friday night. I set a track record one Saturday night. And there was it's kind of in an in a industrial park, St. Pete Speedway. And we went to a bar afterwards, so we got kicked out of the bar in the parking lot. And I remember Dick saying, is that the sun? We we drove to Bradenton for the Sunday afternoon Triple Crown race, and we got there probably 20 minutes late. And... I remember there was a water spigot behind the, the hamburger stand in the pits of a header eat the water for 10 minutes and went out that fast time won the race. And I mean, never went to bed and drank beer all night. Just, you know, I was back when racing was fun. And, and uh, but he was a major part of it. And one of the cool stories with him is that uh, the year before he passed, I got to go to Slinger and we, he, I brought him in the motor home. We talked for, God, I think two hours and poured my heart out, heart out to him. And we had a really good heart to heart on a bunch of things in life. And that's one thing I'll never forget. Yeah, tell us about 
uh, tell us more about your and his relationships, because as a competitor, it's kind of hard to have friends, but you looked up to this guy at the same time. Uh, tell us uh, some more stories or some more about your relationship and how close you actually got. Well, in 88, I was leading the race at Ileana for my first article win, and I was loose. And the end there, and he got anything off the turn two coming for, for the, on the last lap, but I got around down the infield. He wasn't really happy with me about that, and I don't blame him. But I, I, I had to win, and it was my, it was you know, it was time. And 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 then forward a bunch of years back to the Flinger Nationals, I was actually lapping him, and he never turned, and he, he stuck me in the fence. And I, and we're in the motorhome that day. We we talked about that. I said, hey, I know you did it on purpose. I said, it's okay. I said, you know, it's hard not being the man anymore, and I get that. And that's why I don't want to keep racing, I guess, after, you know, I'm st- I still feel like every time I get in the car, I can win. And I don't want to get in that situation where he was like, but uh, but everything in between. I mean, all the places he went to, and I mean, every, I, I, I mean, we always had fun together. Um, I just, you know, he was such an integral part to everybody's life. I mean, he helped so many people. And and uh, to buy that door that I bought last year is at his memorial, um, that's, that's a whole nother story in itself. Well, you uh, wrote a book uh, last year or two years ago, and the thing is phenomenal. Uh, what was your what was the best part about writing the book? Well, it's me and John Close been friends forever, and he wrote the book, and you know we come up with those stories. And actually, the book was a lot bigger than it was. We had to take a bunch out of it because after we got it done, they had to they limited your number of pages and words and pictures, and it was harder to think to take stuff out of the book to make the book flow than what it was. But what what's a amazing to me is that I've never had one person that's read it that I didn't like it and I got I got a guy out there that is absolutely not my fan I don't know what I've ever done to this guy but I mean he would rather kick me in the balls <laughs> than talk to me or or even admit that I'm a human being and he talked me last year and I'm like oh here we go again and he come up to me and he goes you know I hate your guts but that book was pretty good and I thought oh my god if this guy liked it anybody would like it that you know, that just that 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 topped it off. I think I kind of shocked myself. I kind of giggling. Yeah, once when I got the book, I bought it from you over here at Kakana, and, and I and I picked it up and I just started reading. Man, there's so much, so much good stuff and great stories that are in that book. Well, it's, you know, a lot of people don't know. I mean, I I pretty much raced anything and everything. I mean, being national champion, speed skating champion, motocross all those years. And, put so many miles on my first vehicle before I ever got a driver's license. I mean, I went to Redbud, Michigan to race and Byron and, you know, everywhere. I just, you know, I, I just never thought nothing of it. And I started racing cars before I had a driver's license. And my dad was a multi-time track, 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 track champ at Jefferson. And yeah, I mean, I've been the race track, so I was born, so they didn't know how old it was. They just knew, I, you know, I was six foot five and 15 years old. And well, that's Bickle kids. They never asked me if I had a license. I just got in the car and went racing. <laughs> Is there plans for a second book, maybe? I know you've talked about how you could, I mean, I'm sure you could write hundreds of books about all your experiences. Is there talks about maybe a second one coming out? No, I'm one and done with a book situation. That's that's as good as it's going to get. And that's, you know, I'm, I, got, I got maybe 50 of them left. I just sent a box, another box to Amazon. They ran out, but I'm down to the, the end of it. And it's kind of like my career getting towards the end of it, and then I'm sailing off to sunset. Then I move to Costa Rica and do some business stuff down there, and and uh, just kind of step back and enjoy life and and uh, get out of the snow. You've raced all over the country, Canada, as you just said. What are some of your favorite uh, racetracks that you've been to? Well, 
Oh my God. Um, well, I've raced on 226 different facilities, and that's so hard to put a hand on. I mean, if you if you talk about a super speedway, uh, you know, I'd say Daytona over Talladega because Daytona you have to handle. You've got to make the car handle there instead of Talladega where you don't. Um, as far as a regular speedway, uh, it'd be hard to call. I mean, you know, Charlotte was probably the original. I sat in the pole there for the Bush race in 95 and always liked Charlotte. And then they, then they copycatted them all. And um, I liked Indianapolis. That was that was a very, very tough place to learn how to race at because it's so technical. And which I think why it was good there was is because of the old Lake Geneva, um, the old flat Lake Geneva bath in the early 80s where I won my first feature in 81. Um, Slinger's always been one of my favorites. Rockford, um, Concord, both configurations of Concord were amazing. Um, Calgary, Canada was amazing. I mean, there's so many. I forgot probably half of them, but I mean, all I can say is that, you know, most of the tracks in the country were awesome, but there's not one track in Michigan that I liked. <laughs> I don't know who, who built the race back over there, but I don't know if the guy was drunk on the bulldozer or what, but there's not one or eight racetrack over there that I think is even remotely raceable. <laughs> and then it, it's funny to say that because there are some really great racers from Michigan. I mean, Bob Seneca and Mike Eddy, I mean, were phenomenal. And, and um, just... You know, I, they, you know, just like I told people, I said, of the 40, 40 of the greatest 50 short track asphalt racers uh, were from the Midwest, you know, Northern Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. And uh, just, you know, to grow up in that time frame and that era and area, just, and have to race against the guys instead of win was amazing. So with this upcoming schedule this year, you know it's uh, it's the last ride. Which which one do you think that you'd have a shot at to, to uh, pull off a victory? I mean, you were so close at the uh, Oktoberfest. Um, which uh, which racetrack are you looking at where you're zero and say you can get that victory here in this year? Well, every one of them. That's my mindset. Always has been. I mean, I, I picked the wrong. I, I sort of got a tie one one. The other lane up the cross. If I would have went, if I wouldn't have gotten the wrong lane, I think we'd have won that race handily. I saved the car all day, and and I just took me forever to get by the guys that I just passed, and and uh, you know, but to, to think about that to win there in '86 and then be on the podium that many years later is a pretty cool story. And I've got a lot of really cool things I'm gonna do this year, as far as tributes, and I've got. I'm going to do some special stuff with all my suits and helmets and trophies that I have left. I, I give most of my trophies away to the kids at the fence, but I got maybe 20 left. Um, I got some plaques, and I want to do some stuff for the people in the stands. And, and um, just it's going to be a great year to come through it. And I want to leave some features this year. And that's what we're going to do. So, what's the plan after the season, Rich? Will we see you up here at all? Well, I'm not sure what's going on yet with all the business stuff I have going on. I'm trying to sell everything and, and go to Costa Rica and, you know, start some business stuff up down there. But if I do come back, I'll definitely probably come back to the races and hang out. And, and uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind even being a flagman for a, a start of the race or a night. It'd be kind of different. <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be incredible to see, man. Um, what else has made you so successful? I mean, you are a iconic figure in the sport. Uh, you're one of the best at saving your cars there to be there at the end. What's made you so successful? Well, just, you know, racing against the best there was in the country for all the mirrors and learning and learning and learning. And um, I had my dad's, my dad's knowledge and my mom's drive. 
Um, you know, my dad taught me how to do everything and build everything. And, you know, he'd show you one time and, and then, you know, you know, like the, he was the first guy to get a wire field roller that I know of, like in 72. And he showed me how to do it. And I was like 11 years old. And he goes, well, there's some, you know, old scrap over there in the corner. Learn on your own. Now he showed me how to do it. And that's the first time I started welding. And my mom's drive, like I told the story, she, uh, um, in 94, when we were racing for Melling in Daytona, she was a nurse in the Blade Hospital. And she worked a double shift. And she drove to Daytona 22 hours, got there about three hours before the race started. I got uh, wreck coming for the green at the start of the 125, so I didn't make the 500. Um, she got back in her van after about a couple hours hanging out with us, drove back 22 hours and worked a double shift. And I mean, she, and I tell people that story, and they're like, you're crazy. I go, no, I'm telling you. There's two things in our role, was racing and working, and, and she was, uh, um, you know, she was just that way. I mean, she just, she was headstrong. I remember it, it, she worked at Dana Corporation across from where we lived in Edgerton. And I think for two years, she worked double shifts seven days a week, except when we went to the racetrack. I mean, I remember as a kid going there on Sundays and helping her. She did the, she was the president of the union, plus she ran the forklift and loading and unloading the four-wheel drive axles in the semi-trailers. I'd go there on Sundays and help her load. You know, I'd be her, like her spotter. So, I mean, she was just driven, and that's all she did was work and raced. Wow. Growing up, I never had $5. You know, I, it, we built our old stuff. I, I started building bodies because I worked at Dorsey Trailer and I buy emeralds aluminum, and I just I had to want to do it. And um, I, I told a story yesterday, and, and I, I sold Mac Hensa, his first late model 88, and that's the car I wanted uh, uh, Ileana with. And... I had an ASA car, but that wasn't competitive on the short tracks. But I was done. I was broke. I had no money. The Miller deal went away because they promised me the world in 87, 88, and I got like $4,000 each year. And I got all the old beer I could drink. And I mean, we went, you know, in uh, yeah, 89, I think we ran almost 100 races, and or 88. And then so 89, I was broke. And... Uh, on Tuesday afternoon, Wayne Lensing from Left Hander called me and said, get down here and put a car together. I'm like, Wayne, I'm broke. I ain't got no money. He goes, just get your butt down here tomorrow morning and get a car together. So uh, Wednesday morning, me and Phil Hammer, my crew chief, went down there, and he went to the parts room and started piecing together, and me and Wayne's brother boiled a chassis together, and we got home that afternoon, and we started building the car, and Friday morning, we loaded up. We went to Concord, North Carolina, for the Big Ten race in March, and sat in pulling one race. We built that car in in 40-some hours from scratch and one race. Kenny Gravy holds down there in his bus, and we passed out, got to the racetrack, and got up, and, I mean, the car just was dominant in 89. We, we won a ton of races, and we went back down one in April, and I drove back home after we won from there again, come back home and, and run the one slinger. He told me this. I asked me, why would you come back here to race? And I just lit a fire underneath me. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to come back here and race every night. So we went to Concord seven more times that year and drove back. And I won a championship both places, the Big Ten and Slinger Speedway. The only reason I did that because somebody pissed me off to come back and race every night. <laughs> I think we did miss one night because we got rained out Concord. I missed one night. Slinger still won a championship. Wow. So it's just the drive and the, the want to and, and the desire and, and the, just, just, you know, and the people helping. I mean, we just had so much fun. I mean, it just, I remember we'd leave Concord and I'd drive the bus to about Knoxville. And I'd jump out of the seat and somebody jump in and we get to Slinger like 2.30 in the afternoon, change the car over and go away. That's fun. 
Oh, to do that while you were still young to do that, man, that is just, <laughs> that's awesome. You definitely wouldn't see anybody do that these days. Well, James, now if they run 20 races, they're like, they're, you know, they're, they're beyond, like, that's a big schedule. In 1990, I ran 136 races. That's including the ARCA race, the Daytona Talladega, the Daytona 500, and all the short track races. And now, this is what really cracks me up. I won 13 and 15 races at the end of the year that year. I mean, won everything up here, won everything down south. And I had the other two races. The one I had a flat tire and one, the stripper broke and the other. And I never kept count. But in 1990, I believe I won 80 features. And I never, you know, not that one, you know, when I would take anyway, critical and record for winning 67. But I, I I, don't remember losing. I mean, if we pull in the pit area, you're going to win second. I mean, unless something happened. And we, we, we won so much, it was ridiculous. It was just second-handed. And one of my greatest ever compliments, uh, we pulled in the Derby in 90, and everybody's out there practicing all day long. And, and Phil, my crew chief, goes, you want to go practice? And I go, for what? I mean, that's how confident we were. I said, for what? And he goes, nah, let's practice. Nah. Well, an hour later, come on, let's go make some laps. And we had, you know, some decent tires on. And I go out, I'm like two times faster in the field. And Jody really walked over and he goes, isn't it time for you to go home? <laughs> and that's not and, that, and that's not in a bad way. He was just like shaking his head. He's like, you know, I said, Jody, I said, when I get the check here Sunday, I said, I'll go home. And we won and drove home. And not last year, because I didn't get to go last year, because I, I before him and his son coming to holler. And, uh, and I haven't seen them guys in forever. And then we, we got talking about that. And they're just shaking their heads going, man, he goes, you guys are just on a different planet. You know, it, it's, it just, it was so much fun. It just, you shake your head. You didn't, you didn't have to work on anything. It just, now, then we couldn't lose. Now, last year, I couldn't win a race. I mean, we should have won a handful. And it just seems like, oh, something happens. But it's the way it goes in racing and, and uh, part of it. And, but now this year, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to win some races. When you look back on your career, what will you cherish the most? Well, like I said, the people, the guys you race with, the commodity. I mean, you know, back then we would drink beer after races and then go to the bar and they kicked out of the bar and then we'd go to the park a lot and have so much fun. And um, to be able to drive for the King was cool. Um, Kale, not so much Daryl. <laughs> Uh, if you read the book, you realize I, I'm not a big Daryl Walter fan. Um, I'd given Daryl Gwynn a ride in Petty's truck out to Sonoma in 96 when he had all the Dutch people got together. Everybody brought their race vehicles out there. And this is after he crashed in Europe and he was paralyzed. And we got him in the truck and made a few laps to him. That was a, a special moment for for me. And his, him and his mom, or his dad and crew guys were all, they're pretty all ecstatic and things like that. I mean, Make the Nogger Brickyard 400 with 80 some cars there. with Melling car was um, amazing, and um, just there's so many things. I mean, you, you can't put your hand on one, but you can put your hand on 1,000 of them. Sure, absolutely, I can understand that. Um, you're going to end the the career and season at the Snowball Derby. You've won that five times. Uh, just an incredible feat. If you were to win that for a sixth time, I mean. What what would you do, and uh, what would happen there? Well, eh, hard to say. <laughs> Probably cry, and then have a hell of a party. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's funny you say you won it five times, but the two times I lost is the two times I remember the most, except for the $100,000 bonus night. 
Um, in 89, we had the race one, passed Red Crawford with two to go, and he only put him back in front of you, and I missed losing by about a, a three foot. And then in 95, I think it was, I didn't race there in 94. In 95, we had the field lap that had a four feet six in. I mean, I, was just, I had the field lap that was so dominant, and we blew up. <laughs> and you think back at that, um, almost won that race, was race seven out of nine times. And you know, it, it's just a phenomenal run we had there. And, and to be, you know, the king of the derby, you know, I'll, 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 I'll wear that crown proudly because I wanted a Chevy Ford and a Dodge. Nobody ever do that. I want it back to back twice. Nobody's ever done that. Um, and just to have that that streak there was just amazing. It actually, it's one of the easiest races we've ever won because everybody would go up there and run hard and burn their stuff up. And I just ride around and pass them and just kind of coast on and never really raced hard. And I guess it's different mentality everybody had from north to south back then. And um, like I tell people, you know, not to be cocky, but it was one of the easier races we've ever won. Um, um, the race 85 against Joe Shear Madison is in my bumper for 90 laps and never hit me and to outrun him back then with my home built stuff was pretty amazing. And there's a lot of races just you look back at that were phenomenal that, uh, but be, be the king of the derby will always be something I'll cherish. So the next date, uh, you got anything going on here in March or is your next race going to be the, uh, the icebreaker at the Dells? Well, Anderson on the CRA race the week before, or I'm not sure what we're doing yet. We talked about it yesterday a little bit at the test. And um, I mean, the problem is there's so many different rules and motor combinations for where we got to go. Um, just got to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and try to get everything situated. We got a lot of cars. It's just uh, just kind of a pain sometimes. And but for sure, we're going to be there at the opener to Dells. Switching back to the Derby for a second here, and we'll end this shortly. Uh, can you compare the Derby to anything up here in Wisconsin or throughout the Midwest? I mean, Mark and I went back for the 50th annual in 2017. You were actually there, unfortunately, were on it was unable to, to make the race, but you were coming there in that last chance. Um, does the Derby compare to anything up here? Is it just in its own little um, zip code there? Well, it's like any, you know, tracks down south. I mean, the place is built with seashell and not gravel because there's no gravel down there. It makes it really hard on tires, and um, it's just kind of, you know, off to itself. And it's, you know, I mean, back here, I mean, you had Rocker back day was one of the biggest short track races in the country, and you know, you just had a whole bunch of places that had big races, but it's kind of taken over for dominant or as the biggest short track race in the country. And it's just a great facility, and uh, the people who run the place now are amazing, and um, it's just, you know, just a great place, and. And to finish there is always, you know, will be, I'm in the race for sure. We already talked about that uh, last year, not last year, the year before. We come up through there and, and got wrecked on the last lap for stupidity. And, uh, but we're, you know, we're going to have a great car. I mean, we had, we had a great car the last two years. We're there in the, in the last chance race. And it's unfortunate that we built the cars in the pits, finished them there. And then they're getting really pretty much practice time. But in the race, the cars are phenomenally fast and, and just have problems and just unfortunate and uh but uh, at least now i know we're in the race for sure and and um uh i know we're gonna have a shot at winning because i mean two years ago the car was three times faster and old tires and the leaders were so i mean i know we can go back and win this race and if we did it would be the it'd be the end of all of end alls 
You know, you're one of the best at saving uh, your tires, the car throughout the day, as you mentioned previously. Um, what's the key to that? What What have you done to be able to do that throughout the years? Well, I, I credit to, to racing as the best there ever was. I mean, you know, Dave Watson and Johnny Ziegler and Shear and Refter and Jim Bach and Mark Marzovka, you know, it's not Refter. I mean, um, Steve Holzholz and there, there, one of the great stories was in 80 and 81, uh, Larry Deegan's Tom Refter and Jim Bach went out west, and they kicked everybody's ass out there severely both years. So in 83, Mike Chase come back to Wisconsin to run the whole summer. Now, he was the big dog from California. And he come back here, and he never he ran four nights a week, and I don't think he made a feature till Madison at midseason championship, and he finished 17th. And he ended up working for us on a Bush deal in 2000. And we got talking about that. And he goes, yeah, he said, them guys come out there and, you know, they were ungodly fast and won everything. He said, I knew Trickle and Shearer back there. He said, but when I got back there that summer, there were 40 more of you sons of bitches nobody heard of. <laughs> and and that's that's the compliment of all compliments is because he was right. I mean, there's so many guys that people didn't even know, never heard of. There were Lee Burgess. I mean, this, the list goes on and on and on. And just people, you know, didn't didn't know these who these people were. I mean, for us up here to grow up in that era, I mean, Scott Hansen and I mean Terry Balder from Colorado. I mean, it, it's just on and on and on that every place had so many great racers and and uh, people had no idea that this was the dominant force of short track racing back in that time. Such awesome stuff, Rich man. You're such an icon in this sport around here. So. Hey, man, going to wish you the best of luck, man. Can't wait to rub elbows with you, you and Darcy, and we'll be hanging out at the pits, man, and we'll tip a beer or two, and uh, we'll talk some more racing with well, you. Just come on, do it. Now you guys want to come down to Coast Street for a vacation, just call me, and I'll have a place for you. Hey, be, <laughs> that, uh, that would be a hell of a time. Uh, before you go, I just got uh, one more story here, uh, and you'll probably chuckle at this. I know Mark and I will. You know, Mark and I travel all over the country, the Midwest for sure, the state of Wisconsin for racing here. And I can't remember a time where I have missed more than half a heat race getting to my seat. And Mark and I came down to the Dells this past year. We ran into you. You probably didn't know much about us. We sat there and we talked at the beer stand and missed all of the heat races. Uh, That is... (laughs) That is something that I never pictured ever happening to me because I love racing and watching it. But I tell you what, uh, I tell everyone that comes on, it means so much to me that you would come on and support us. But that is a moment that I will cherish until I leave this earth because the conversations that you, Mark, and I, and Darcy, and the people around us had that day are invaluable. I mean, they're, you just don't have those every day. And, uh, um, Man, it was so cool. Uh, I will cherish that forever, man. I, I appreciate you. And uh, like Mark said, I can't wait to see you this year. Well, that's what people understand is that I'm the probably last one left that's still racing out of the, that generation. And to go through everything we went through and the stuff I've seen and been through and the stories, I mean, I mean, it's just it's crazy the things that, that you can talk about and how people want to want to hear it. That's what's fun for me is people actually still want to hear what, you know, what happened here, how this was, or what happened, you know, and that's what's nice about it. They all talk to people that want to hear stuff. And, and, uh, and it, like I said, you know, growing up, I mean, I had a lot of fans, right? I've had a lot of people who weren't my fans, but, uh, um, 
it's just cool to be able to talk to people. And I've always, that's one thing that, that well, that's another thing, Triple, is, you know, in, in Richard Petty, you know, you, you sign every autograph and you hang out till the end and you make sure you talk to everybody. You, you promote yourself. And I think I've done a good job with that. And even people that probably weren't my fans growing up, because I was, you know, I, I didn't take no shit from nobody in because I didn't have nobody to take no shit with. And so I stood my ground and, and, uh, if you either want to race, you want to race, you want to fight, we'll fight. <laughs> and, so I, over the years, I'm sure that I've had some people that I rubbed wrong, but you know, it's funny now that we're all good friends and and even even fans that come up after all these years. And hey, man, so glad you're still doing it. And so this will, this will be a tribute to everybody, you know, that's helped all the years and all the fans and everybody that's been around it. And hopefully, I have a great year and, and finish it off in style. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, buddy. Uh, hey, let's do this again sometime, uh, maybe halfway through the year or at the end of the year as well. Uh, can't wait to yeah. see you and have a few drinks with you again and maybe miss some heat races. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great one, and we'll talk soon. See you, see you at the Dell. See you, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, thanks again, Rich. Looking forward yeah. to it. Well, Mark, what an awesome interview from Rich Bickle, man. Um, such an iconic figure in the racing world, as you mentioned in the interview, and uh, – it was so great to have him on. He had me laughing here so much. Many of our guests do, but, uh, man, he's got stories that uh, I just love listening to, and he can go on uh, for years telling those stories because uh, there's so many of them. They're so good, and, man, I can't wait to catch up to with him in person. Yeah, you know, that was great last year. You know, we'd come over and we'd want to interview him, and all these kids like to hang around with him, you know, and you could definitely tell uh, – he likes the kids and stuff like that and tell stories. And he's just, he's just a good old boy. Yep. He's definitely an icon in our sport. Absolutely. Uh, well, we got a couple of good racing weekends coming up here for NASCAR. And then we get into the short track stuff. We have some interviews coming up here. So hope you all enjoyed hearing from Rich Bickle. We'll catch up with him again during the season, after the season. And uh, Mark, thank you again. Yep. Thanks, Lauren. We'll see you later, man. See you, everyone. This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.